Yeah, yeah the Fox News presenter. He went next level on the UFO stuff <laughs> on Twitter. Like, went oh, really? Full blown. It's a compl- it's completely true. Aliens are here, as we can see with the stormtrooper in the background. <laughs> it was just brought up by stormtrooper. I got, I'm going to tell you a story about this stormtrooper that I didn't actually tell you before. So this is from a uh, Primark window display about seven years ago. I got it for my son, but there was a lot of competition to get this thing. A lot of people wanted it, and I had to get it there and then. If I wanted it, I needed to get it right there and then. So I had to walk this thing from the Primark in Brighton down the whole high street in Brighton. I took it on the bus with me, so I <laughs> sat down in the bus had that next to me obviously i gave way if any elderly people wanted that seat on the bus i gave way but he had a seat did on you the have bus, to buy a second take ticket? It. <laughs> no, no, no no luckily enough stormtroopers are exempt from the buses in brighton i guess but i had to take <laughs> i had to take this thing all the way through town all the way on the bus all the way home for my son my son's grown up now so it's not in his bedroom it's ended up in the spare room where well my office and uh, that's where he's taken prime and place. And he's been there ever since. And every single one of these Sunday roasts that I've done, he's been there. Please, What please was the question? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just went well, on a rant about Stormtrooper. No. I'm, I'm curious. Was the fact that you had to take it on the bus the inspiration for you getting a van? <laughs> You're like, oh, right. So I can actually, uh, yeah, because at the time I had my little VW Golf, which I wouldn't have been able to fit it in without destroying it. So, um <laughs> So, yeah, maybe he's to thank for the whole channel of mine, Van Man Talks, maybe. Maybe you're right. <laughs> Power behind what? the throne. What was the question you asked me, though? You asked me a question before I started ranting about Nigel Farage, Tucker Coulson. That was it. Yeah. UFOs. It doesn't yeah. surprise me because he's been on Russell Brand's channel uh, recently, you know, the height of conspiracy theory nutcases and the strangest thing about tucker colson going on russell brand's channel is i don't know whether you ever um checked out russell brand's early youtube stuff yeah i i actually really liked it it's actually one of the reasons that i i got more into politics was because his early youtube stuff was great it was basically just all um, it was around the 2014 era where it was all anti-UKIP anti-Farage he had that big thing where he was on uh, question time with Farage and it was just bashing the Tories and he used to get the Sun newspaper and just dismantle it and take the piss out of it and he was one of the inspirations for even me starting a channel anyway obviously we know what he's gone to now he's gone absolutely bonkers and everything's been exposed with you all know what's happened. But in his early YouTube channels, he used to chronically take the piss out of Tucker Carlson, chronically. And Fox News, he used to get Fox News segments on where he'd absolutely rip into him. And Tucker Carlson, he used to take the piss out of every single episode. And now they're like best of buds. And he's got him on his show and he's interviewing him. It's it's just so strange, the cycle that this guy has taken, Russell Brand. But don't as you get older, don't you go more far right? I, I think it's I think it's different. I think it's a, but, yeah, but it, it's true. Yeah, well, allegedly, you, you know, people become more conservative as they get older. But I don't think it's that. I think it's the grift. Um, he he realized, well, if I actually if I become a, like an anti-vaxxer or if I become some sort of conspiracy theorist, I can I can become I can, you know, I, I'll find a niche that where I'll find a niche where people will will follow me. And um, I think he succeeded there. And that's why he's gone. 
like he he he's actually on the side of Farage at this stage. You know, he he started off criticizing Farage, and now he's pretty much like Farage. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another Sunday Roast. We have a wonderful guest back with us again, Van Man Talks. Um, Marcus, can you tell us a little bit about yourself for anyone who's new to the show? Well, first of all, I feel quite honoured that I'm your only guest. It's, it's usually only a specialist slot where you just get one guest in, but I, I'm also aware it's because, unfortunately, we, uh, someone dropped out. So I, I, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm your only guest. I'm your single guest today. Uh, yeah, my name is Marcus. Um, I do a, a YouTube channel called Van Man Talks where I mainly, mainly rip the piss out of GB News, Talk TV for their lies, propaganda, garbage, and just basic shoddy production quality. Uh, I enjoy that along alongside some drives along in my uh, in my van in my town Brighton and Sussex where I, I basically just try my best to understand what's going on in this country because it's bonkers it's absolutely bonkers I, I I I spend so much time and my viewers help me out with trying to understand what's going on with this country five prime ministers uh, the last two prime ministers have not even been elected an unelected foreign secretary I I, I Honestly, I, so my viewers help me out in trying to try and understand what's going on in this country. So that's what that's what I do. Check out my channel if you haven't already. Before, before we go to Alex, I, I just wanted to ask Marcus um, two questions. Have you ever been recognized in Brighton uh, as a YouTuber? And second, what's the strangest experience you've had while driving in uh, in Brighton? <laughs> OK, have I been recognized? Not personally, but people have recognized my van. Because I drive a bright orange VW van and um, people that watch my channel will, will, will know. And there, there's a couple of uh, residents in, in Brighton, um, but a lot of people that come to Brighton, Brighton's a very touristy town anyway. So lots of my viewers, they, they come to Brighton for the, for the weekend and they, they're certain they've spotted my orange van. So my orange van gets recognised more than myself. I've never been recognised myself, <laughs> but my orange van does all the time. They're like... Were you driving down Lewis Road at four o'clock on last Friday? I was like, yeah, I was, yeah. Oh, I saw your orange van. Uh, other question, what's the weirdest thing that you've seen uh, while driving? Um, <laughs> I've seen lots of things. Brighton is a very crazy town. But my most vivid one is one that I actually done a, a short video on my YouTube channel of uh, when I was pulling up at the uh, traffic lights. And the owner with his dog was just walking across and then the dog decided that that was the time it was going to go for a giant poo right in front of me but the owner was really upset and he's kind of like oh no everyone in the traffic scene and he's dragging the dog along so the, the dog's just dropping poo as it goes along in front of me and I don't, I don't know I you can go into my YouTube channel and you can find it in the shorts but I mixed it in with a perfect example of Liz Truss's tenure as prime minister maybe Alex it is edited although I know you're in uh, Spain at the moment Alex maybe you can edit that video in or uh, put a link in down below to that video <laughs> that's probably the strangest thing I've seen while driving I like the I like the Liz <laughs> Truss reference and my wonderful co-host, Alex, can you tell us a bit about yourself for anyone who's new to the show? Hi, I'm Alex, also known as Political X. I'm a journalist and a historian and a teacher of many subjects. Um, I've got a quick question. As Boris Johnson, I mean, we're going to bring this up with the COVID inquiry. As Boris Johnson was in hospital, wasn't Dominic Raab also a prime minister for like a week or two? 
Because yes. he was deputy and he had to good take point. over. Very good point. <laughs> so how Does many how many prime ministers have there been in the last uh, 13 years? <laughs> Too many. Is it funny? Cameron May, Johnson, Dominic Rab. Rab. <laughs> do, do we count Dominic Rab? Oh, Five God, officially, the but then there's some <laughs> some questions. That's a good point. It's Dominic Rab. But he's yeah, deputy he was... leader. He's not deputy prime minister. I thought it was deputy PM. That's why he took over. Because deputy leader, wouldn't that be leader of the party? I don't know, actually. Because you've got leader of the house, leader of the party. You definitely have a leader of the party. You've got the... Yeah, and then the... No, but, but for example, when it's, he's probably not deputy prime minister. Well, because when <clears> um, <throat> the prime minister is not there at PMQs, the deputy takes over. And the same with the opposition. So... Um, Angela Rayner would take over from Keir Starmer when, when Keir Starmer's not there. And Rob took over and winked. He did that really creepy wink at Rayner. So yeah. I think I think we can include him. I think <laughs> he did Why say, not? There's been five. What's the difference? Just make it six. I mean... Just... It's <laughs> almost as long as Liz Truss. And he definitely <laughs> said, and he said in the inquiry that the Prime Minister was unconscious at one stage when he was in hospital. He let that slip. So that means that the prime, it's like if the US president is taken ill or goes in for surgery, then the vice, prime, uh, vice president steps in and is technically president, even though it's only a couple of weeks or so. Dominic Rag probably done the least amount of damage in that time to the country, <laughs> I'd probably say. Definitely. <laughs> He'd win that. For a couple of hours that he was in charge or whatever it is. Definitely done the least amount of damage. Anyway, back to the intro. <laughs> Max, we found you. <laughs> Apologies for last week. I wasn't able to attend, but uh, I have been found. Um, my name is Max. I run the Robespierre channel where I talk about British politics and Brexit in particular. Um, Alex, what's our first topic for today? How did you find the Where's Waldo image I created? <laughs> 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 so you have a an image on your community page of uh, uh, of the the Sunday Rose community page. Uh, where where's Max? But uh, I haven't found Max, so I don't know if anyone has found Max. Well, no my my has. guess was the the drunk guy at the front, but he, <laughs> he like sort of stumbled over a barrel with a white wig on. That was the one that most looked. That's like very Max. telling. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, well, I don't, I don't know. Maybe there's like a helicopter up in the sky if you zoom in there. I don't know, but I'm sure you'll give you'll reveal the answer at some point. There, there, there is. You are in the picture. I'll say that. And there is also. It's strangely brought up the helicopters because the helicopter got morphed into a human helicopter. Um. First topic, then. Let's continue. We were talking about conspiracy theories and how it's clickbait. And that's what that's what's happened with Russell Brand. And I guess to a certain extent, Tucker Carlson on the absolute lunacy of what they're talking about. Have you? Uh, it's a curious question to throw to both of you. Have you ever been tempted to do that? I mean, we've come close on some of the topics we've talked about on the show in, to, in terms of conspiracy theories. Have either of you been actually tempted to go down that route of clicking and picking stories for clickbait reasons as opposed to actual... Marcus, do you want to answer that first? Uh, well, I mean, I can, I can safely say no, not with conspiracy theories, but I, I understand how people that, that 
start earning money on youtube will start chasing views and chasing money it's an easy thing to do and that can corrupt the the content that you bring out so just before we came on we were using russell brands as an example where russell brand in his early youtube career was doing really really good left-wing content it was around 2015 where he was just constantly bashing nigel farage bashing ukip bashing the tories and um i i actually have a lot to thank him for i mean i know we all know what the guy is now he's been exposed for what he really is and this sways people's opinions but i can't i I have to be honest that his early youtube content i was i was really a fan of and it helped me to start doing my own youtube channel because i wanted to expose the right-wing media he used to bring the sun newspaper out and he used to just dissect it and take the piss out of it and for me, it was the first time for, for me to think, oh, God, Jesus, this stuff is garbage, isn't it? We this The, the right-wing media in this country is absolute garbage. And he was doing fantastic content. But what we were just saying is he was obviously a man that ended up chasing the views, chasing the money, uh, because later on he found an avenue where he could get, I think, the content that he was doing, which was his true beliefs, I feel, uh, he was only a narrow market there was only a certain amount of people that wanted to watch that stuff and he expanded it by getting into conspiracy theories he found out that he could get viewers from the left and the right by not bringing party politics into it and going down the conspiracy theory route um the conspiracy is sort of started off with with russell brand around covid and the conspiracy theories that came out there the anti-vax the the um god 5g gamma rays whatever <laughs> nonsense was out of the time um but but people love this stuff because it's it's sensational and and you get loads of views and you get loads of clicks and and i think this is sometimes the problem that uh sort of left-wing political uh content creators have is that sometimes our stuff is not sensationalized you know brexit is a perfect example of this isn't it you know it's not sensational to talk about economics of brexit but it's 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 click worthy to talk about the immigrants coming over and show the breaking point poster you know that gets people excited but sometimes just party politics is is a lot more complicated and uh so the original question was have i ever been tempted for to make sensationalized content um no because i think if you go down that avenue you you ha- it's it's like a it's like a road that you can't turn back from yeah. you, you just have to carry on and you 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 can't and you you'll alienate your original fan base and uh no definitely not it's not an area <laughs> that i've wanted to go down and it's not why i do youtube okay I, I, I mean i'm i'm a very small channel I, I i i get a tiny little bit of revenue which is nice you know i i always like to think that it it, it pays for my electric bill what i get you know it's a nice little thing to have um, but it's not really why I do YouTube. I do YouTube because I enjoy making videos and I just want to expose the, the gutter right-wing press in this this country and have a laugh along at the same at the same time as well. That's why I do YouTube. And also uh, the, the community on YouTube, I absolutely love. My viewers, my, my comments. Um, I kind of started off my YouTube journey not being 
massively into politics. I, I was into politics, but uh, my original videos, my first videos that I'd done were, I was talking about all types of topics, um, but then I found out that people enjoyed my my videos that I was doing on, on politics and that sort of went from then. And I've gone on a journey myself by finding out different things, different information from my viewers and, and the comments and talking to people. We've all gone on like a political journey together so uh it's, it's it's been an interesting journey i i'd never want to upset that by chasing the views and it's, it's not why i have a youtube channel um i'm sure you feel the same max right? yeah no uh, exactly sure you, you, no no ex exactly what you're saying there I, I agree um like when i like if i'm looking at some of the the videos that are that sort of went quote-unquote viral on the channel the reaction videos they're 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 human stories so people talking about their you know what why they voted for brexit or why they didn't vote for Brexit or whatever like that. Like what's a little bit frustrating for me is when I when I talk about something informative, talk about economics, talk about consequences to the NHS or something like that, it doesn't have the same um, impact as, you know, just somebody who voted for Brexit and, and is responding to that. But but as you said, the the community, the the feedback I've received from people makes it so much so worthwhile um building building a community reaching out to people but also pushing back on on certain narratives for for you know for you it's about the holding the right-wing media to account for me it's more about holding um the tories to account because i feel like there's nobody doing that you know you see these uh, just just recently quasi quartang was brought on to uh, politics live richard tice was brought on to uh, sky news why are these people being brought on they have the you know, one dis destroyed the economy, and the other was part of the Brexit Party. He's not—he's not, he's not an, a member of Parliament. He's not a pub real public representative. So there are real concerns about uh, the people that are being brought on. What sort of narrative that they're trying to push, and and how they're not being pushed back on, uh, being pushed back against. So I, I feel like I'm—you know—I people like Van Man talks uh, and other YouTube channels are are the only ones who are pushing back on these people, holding them to account. Um, but as you said, it's about creating a community and being able to uh, get feedback from people. You know, I, I make a lot of mistakes. People call me out on it. People correct me. And and it's for me, it's about getting more informed about things. But it's about informing people as well, not um, chasing clicks because you know, as you said, that's that's a dead end. It's uh, it leads to a road that you can't return from. Alex, what what about yourself? I'm a bit mixed. So I think the first video, Max, that you found because you reached out to me, which blew my mind. And one of the first videos I did, I, I got the impression it was the video that caught your attention. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think I've actually asked you. Was uh, Russian interference? Mm. And that's that is arguably a conspiracy theory all i did for that video was go what did the uk documents say what did the us documents say from the Mueller report from fbi investigations from the cia and we you know i've mentioned the cia that's a conspiracy set we can go down it seems to be quite true but i put all those documents together and went right well these should be verified what else is there buzzfeed did a report on assassinations taking place in the uk and you're going they seem like a credible organization. These seem to have taken event. Uh, these events seem to have taken place. Uh, we can't argue about Scriptful in uh, Salisbury. I don't think anyone's going to argue with me about that. The question is, what level of interference is there? You look through the documents. 
and you go, right, well, some of this is supported by Swansea University, Edinburgh University, Cardiff University. We can debate Cardiff because that's where Patrick Minford is, and he is crazy as an economist. So take that with a pinch of salt. Sorry, Cardiff University. Um, but that was one of my first big videos. And I would argue that was a conspiracy theory video because I was trying to push out this idea. But at least I said, can I base this on facts? Can I verify some of these sources? And I, you know, I'm putting on my history hat. This is what you do as a historian. You might, you, and, and I'd like to also think, if someone turns up and goes, Alex, this is wrong. Here's some evidence to put forward that. I can turn around and go, fair enough. That's better evidence than I put forward. And therefore, no problem. What I can say is, I can't name who it was. I did pass on some of these details. I passed on the video and I had a long chat with an MP who just before the Ukrainian war started asking very serious questions about what was going on inside the UK government and Boris Johnson's government about Russian interference, money being taken. Led by Donkeys also did a video showing a number of Russian oligarchs who were paying money. And, you know, I'd happily go in front of someone and go, if I was a bad guy, I can see exactly how I could manipulate the UK manipulate Brexit, cause absolute chaos, and it would cost nothing in comparison to going to war with you or affecting you in other economic ways. So I'm a, I'm a bit mixed about it. I mentioned CIA. Loads of rumors were kicking around in the 60s, 70s, 80s, all the crazy shit they were doing. And they were. They, we found out that they were actually dosing people on LSD without their knowledge or permission. Uh, who Like American citizens. It's totally nuts what they were doing. And that was conspiracy theory until Freedom of Information Act came out. We could, oh, we could even bring up COVID and say, you know, the government was saying one thing and we were all, all pretty much experiencing something else. And then you get again into that realm of, is it conspiracy theory that people are thinking that it's one thing and the government are actually being really nice? COVID inquiry comes out and it suggests actually the public were pretty much spot on. The government didn't have a plan, didn't know what they were doing and cause a lot of death. So I think it's quite nuanced in, in terms of that. I don't, I'd love to know your thoughts on what I put forward because I find it, uh, there's elements of gray area. By the way, I'll, I'll say in general, I don't believe in most conspiracy theories. <laughs> just, just to alleviate any worries there. Well, that, that's that... the thing. A, a, a conspiracy theory stops being a conspiracy when it's backed up with facts, isn't it? That's, that's when it comes, that's when it changes. So if you've got the facts to back it up, there's plenty of conspiracy theories that are true. Watergate is always the obvious one, isn't it? But that yeah. is the difference, isn't it? If you've got the facts to back it up, then it's not a conspiracy theory. It's the yes. truth. It's just the truth. <laughs> but I think the difference between, yeah, and, and it's also your approach to it is, are you following the evidence or are you leading the evidence? So I think a big problem with many conspiracies is that they come up with an idea. Oh, OK, it's chemtrails, for example. And they say the government is doing this. And what they do is they look for evidence to back that up instead of actually looking at the evidence and coming to the conclusion that the evidence presents. And I think this is a big problem that we have with um on social media on uh, on youtube on um on platforms like this is that you have people who will start off with the position okay this is the conclusion now let me look for something to back it up look for evidence to support it and that's the wrong way it's not being skeptical it's not actually following the evidence okay what is the evidence what is what is being presented here so for example when it comes to the the russian report um the russian report, report says quite clearly that um, 
the UK government didn't investigate Russian interference. Like they specifically didn't investigate it. So it's, uh, you know, it's why did they not investigate it? Well, we can look at evidence to support without coming to the conclusion that there's corruption, but we can look at, okay, there are people who have been donating to the Conservative Party from Russia. Um, the former foreign minister, I think it was, his wife paid £150,000, was it, to play tennis with Boris Johnson. Now, whether she thought she was playing tennis with Boris Becker, I don't know, but she was like, who the hell pays £150,000 to play tennis with Boris Johnson? Like, what, what were you expecting to get back in return? This is the question. If I could constantly just whack him with tennis <laughs> yeah. balls over in the corner, I'd, I'd, I'd yeah, pay yeah. a reasonable amount of money. Yeah, I, I think we could have it. We could organize a GoFundMe for that. <laughs> it's mental. But it's, God. but yeah, this is the problem with uh, many of these. So it, it, it's important to ha- keep an open mind, but you have to follow the evidence, not lead the evidence. Religious orientated archaeologists tend to do this. They'll go, Noah's Ark is real. Let's go and find some evidence to prove that it's real. As opposed to, let's just look at the evidence. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're absolutely spot on. Okay, so from that, is Nigel Farage a conspiracy theorist? I, I think he is. He comes up with quite a lot. He doesn't believe in climate change. Do you still believe that global uh, worrying about global warming is the stupidest thing in human history? I believe that if we decide in this country to tax ourselves to the hilt, to put hundreds of thousands of people out of work in manufacturing industries, given that we produce less than 2% of global CO2, that isn't terribly intelligent. Conspiracy theorist. He thinks immigration is the cause of all problems, and he's said that repeatedly on on the show, conspiracy theorist. He didn't believe that Donald Trump advocated for the use of, of bleach and that that was a conspiracy against Donald Trump. What I'm talking about is when Trump back in April said... Then I see the disinfectant, which is bleach, where it you knocks it out in a minute. Sorry, bleach is disinfectant, Nigel. Do you know what? Ble- bleach you is disinfectant. Grow up, stop being fake news. Okay. Sorry, Nigel, just, just to clarify, these are the words of Donald Trump. Grow in up pub- and stop being fake news. He never said bleach. Okay, I'll tell you what, let's just play the clip. You say he didn't after, say after use disinfectant Trump. bleach. This is what he said. It's interesting. Right, and then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or or almost a cleaning? Because you see it gets on the lungs and it does a tremendous number in the lungs. So it'd be interesting to check that so that you're going to have to use medical doctor. Sorry, Nigel. Am I, have I made that up? Yes. OK. We just right. saw the clip. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. If you think, I'm sorry, honestly, you are you are you are sinking to the gutter by talking about bleach. You know you are. Like Donald you Trump was talking about bleach. When we can all quite clearly understand that Donald Trump was suggesting putting some form of cleaner down people's lungs and throats to kill the disease. What was the other thing? There was something else that he'd done. Oh yeah, Brexit. <laughs> pretty conspiratorial, wasn't it? He's the booger man out to so get have, have you have you watched any of I'm a celebrity? I've I've watched one clip. Um there's there's numerous reasons why I won't watch it. I've never watched it anyway. It's not a program that I watch. Uh I understand that there is actually a real genuine concern that you could tune in and see Nigel Farage's ass from what I've seen. 
is, <laughs> that's been on display, hasn't it? So obviously that's another reason not to watch it. Uh, but the main reason, the main reason not to watch it, which is what you're talking about, if he's going on about conspiracy theories, is there is no one to keep him in check on this programme, is there? This is the biggest concern of him going on a programme like this. Now, it, it, I, I don't want to be rude to these celebrities. I don't know who they are, but they're, they're probably just not really generally into politics, which is fine. Um, but he's just got free reign here to now just talk about whatever rubbish is, he wants, just fill empty-headed people with his rhetoric like mm -hmm. he does. He's a master at this stuff. And if ITV was switched on, they would have put someone on there because you're supposed to create drama, right? It's supposed to be great TV. So what they should have done is put in, they've got like an influencer YouTube person on there, haven't they? What they really should have done is they should have got you on there, Max. You're, <laughs> you've got you've got a reasonable, you know, pretty hefty subscriber count on, on YouTube. You know, I'd, I'd say that if they were going to pick a political um, personality to get in there and actually challenge Farage, wouldn't that be great TV? I'd turn into that. I well, think their, their viewing figures would go up. He's seeing my behind or Nigel Farage's behind. I'm not sure anyone wants to say that. <laughs> but but I, I was thinking Alistair Campbell. Alistair Campbell would have been a well, yeah, yeah. Someone to challenge him. It, it makes no sense that they haven't... Usually they work these things out. They do it on Big, Big Brother, don't they? If you have someone that's maybe... Um, uh, I don't know, maybe trans and they have someone that's anti-trans so they, they have conflict or something and it makes great TV because they have arguments. I don't know why they haven't brought on a personality that knows their stuff and is anti-Brexit to have this conflict. Um, and, you know, like I started saying, it, it seems like he's got absolutely free reign to just put out his vial like he always does and no one's challenging him. Uh, I, the, the one clip that I did see was the French TV presenter, I forget his name, Fred. Uh, where he, he he did a little bit, you know, he was sort of confronting him with the fact that, uh, you know, 50% of our trade is with Europe, you know, why would you throw that away? And Farage said, well, you can buy food anywhere and... You know, you just need someone there with a little bit of know-how to go, yeah, but why, Farage? <laughs> we can just get everything on our doorstep. Why? Why import from New Zealand or Australia? It's just it's just it's a real shame that they didn't bring someone that had some political savvy. And uh I guess that's why he's coming out with all his rubbish and you started with conspiracy theories. I don't know what he's been talking about about Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Not but like for me, I, I I actually don't think he's 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 into the conspiracy theory. I don't think he believes what he's saying because he has uh, recently, or oh, it was a couple of years ago back, um, he was pumping a, a company that was into green energy or something like that. Maybe it wasn't green energy, but it was about a, a reforestation or something like that. So he he was willing to say whatever he was paid to say. So I I don't I think he's someone who follows the crowd um he thinks okay which way is the political wind blowing okay i'll go with that i, I actually don't know when it comes to racism yeah i think he's a racist but when it comes to things like trump um i don't think he actually believed in trump he just realized well there's there's a way of for me to improve my standing in in with the public there's a chance for me to make some money on the side this is what i'm going to go with um i, I think that's what he's all about so there's at, you Brought up, all of you have brought up amazing points. There's actually little bits to unpack there. ITV have now pushed him to one side. I think they've reduced the amount they're showing of Nigel in their highlight clips. Because uh, apparently he did a whole spiel about Donald Trump. 
and they wouldn't broadcast it. GB News went nuts about it. Um, it was interesting he brought up about money because he's being caught making racist comments. I'm not going to repeat what he said. I'm, I won't include the clip on this either. Uh, he made racist comments on Cameo. Uh, and of course, he's now not able to reply because that's banned whilst he's stuck out in the middle of nowhere of Australia. Um, and the conspiracy theory stuff, I, I'd say he was a climate change denier. I'd say that's a conspiracy theory. I can I can get the rest. I, you're right, he does follow the wind. I think on climate change, I think he, he hasn't changed his stance, has he? He's still like a climate denier. And Richard Tice did some wacky advert for the Reform but, but Party see, see, saying that climate change isn't real. CO2. People make out that it's some form of poison. It's not. It's plant food. It's responsible for photosynthesis, without which we get no plants, no food. We all die. You've got to challenge the mainstream narrative on this. Oh, and by the way, do you know how much CO2 is in the atmosphere? Is it 10%, 20%, 5%? No, it's 0.04 of 1%. That's like one limb on one person in Wembley Stadium of 100,000 people. It's only just above a record multi-million year low. It's not a problem. Stop worrying. Stop being scared. No, but I don't know how much they actually believe and how much they believe mm. they can make money out of. Because yeah, like, this is the difference, isn't it? It's where he follows the money. So is I, I think personally that he actually probably believes in climate change, but he is following the money. And mm. it, it, it's the popularism that you just talked about that he will become popular by not because it's, it's it's a popular position with a lot of people now, which is ever more increasing thanks to the likes of GB News, the anti climate change stance. I think that he, I I think that he actually uh, understands climate change, but he knows it's not in his favour to do so, and it's following the money and and GB News. Talking to GB News on climate change, I just I just, I just done a video which was quite interesting on their resident climate change scientists they have on GB News. They have a resident climate change scientist. And uh, his evidence against climate change was that uh, droughts were more frequent in the 1700s. He didn't let on that it, it was in the UK. So his stats were for the UK, that droughts were more, uh, more, more prevalent in the 1700s. And also, he's not even a climate change scientist. He's a water <laughs> resource manager for Wales, which is basically a glorified plumber. <laughs> and uh, but that's good enough qualifications for GB News. That's that's good enough. They're like, right, <laughs> we need but... we need a resident climate scientist. There's some guy that knows something about water in Wales. He'll do. That's that's but it, but, that's but it perfect. Comes back to, but it comes back to what I was saying before. It's about following. It's about leading the evidence. So what he'll do is, okay, I what I have to do is I have to deny climate change. I have to find something that supports this position for GB News because they're paying me whatever. So what is it? Okay, let me have a look around for something that would benefit that would support my position. Oh, look, there was a drought in the 1700 in 1700s. There we go. See, um, people are talking about climate change today. We've had a similar situation in the past. That means the climate climate science is all debunked. See, that's the problem. And then GB News obviously have a position, as you as you well know, of denying science, be it the pandemic during the pandemic during uh, when it comes to climate change anything um they start off with the position the scientists are wrong let me look for something to support that but isn't brexit a conspiracy theory to suggest that the eu was some evil that had control and i mean the, the other thing so we mentioned that i'm abroad at the moment it's really interesting hearing people describe the uk as one country well, it's not it's a union it's a mini union 
It's a mini authoritarian version of the EU. And we know that because, I mean, really clear. I mean, the COVID inquiry, which we'll jump onto a bit later, has shown that with Dominic Raab. But isn't, I mean, I'm not wrong here. Like the stuff that he was saying was just made up garbage. And when all the experts put facts, he just pooed it and when Britain's great, Britain's great, Britain's great. Isn't that a conspiracy theory in itself? Or it, do you still think he went for Brexit to make money? Uh, well, when it comes to, yeah, the, there is a, a sort of conspiracy that um, that the European Union is this sort of corrupt institution that wanted to keep Britain in. I, I mean, if you look at some of the latest clips from GB News, they also say about how Ben Habib in particular would say how the EU didn't want Britain to leave and it was thwarting its attempts to leave um, because it feeds into a narrative of people who feel that um, something has been taken away from them. So they, they voted to leave, but they expected sunlit uplands. And wh where are these sunlit uplands? So instead of actually turning around and blaming the people who promised them lies, who promised them, you know, uh, um, a land of milk and honey, um, they're, they're angry with the, the European Union again, saying, oh, well, it's the European Union's fault. Like, how can you continue to blame the European Union if the UK is no longer a member? Um, it just doesn't make any sense. Marcus, what, what do you think? It's a, it's a conspiracy theory. Uh, yeah, the, the wonderland of Brexit UK that, that Farage is offering in back in 2015. I guess that whole system is a conspiracy theory in itself because I did. Well, I don't even know what that means, really. I, I, I guess it's a world where we... <laughs> everyone's white and uh you know no people are talking other languages mm -hmm. and uh, but then how do we fill all our jobs and do everything that needs done and uh, yeah it's, it's a very farage brexit wonderland where i don't know how anything gets done but yeah that's a conspiracy theory that could ever happen do we even want that happening <laughs> so yeah brexit I, I guess you could call it a conspiracy theory i guess you could really it's so strange when you look at it like that. And, and, and let's let's move on to the what Rob said about the devolved government. He clearly stated that they were irritating. At, at least from Wales' perspective, the issue of your irritation. And I have you noted as explaining um, in your response that there were perfectly good arguments sometimes why they, presumably the devolved administrations, might go a bit slower or a bit quicker, or why they wanted something that they hadn't yet had. But you also say, sometimes it just felt like for the sake of doing something out of kilter with the UK government, that there was a political gain in doing so. And then you go on to say that you thought the differences were relatively minor in any event. Now, I'd like to ask you about that, particularly focusing on uh, the issue of your irritation. Um, you have described yourself as a recovering lawyer, and you'll know the benefit of basing your views on concrete evidence. So my question to you is this. Why are you irritated on the basis that sometimes you just felt like it was political when you don't actually have evidence to support that, but you do by your own words, have evidence to support the idea that perfectly good arguments have been made as to why things could go faster or slower in Scotland or Wales? So, uh, look, if I'd have had uh, advance notice, I would have poured over the documents and come with a good example for Wales and a good example for Scotland. Um, uh, forgive me, but 
we're talking about matters that were a long time ago. And also, I'm not trying to needle either Plaid Cymru or the SNP. But the truth is, what I'm, the answer to your question is there's often a combination of reasons. Some were more compelling or persuasive on the, on the facts than others. Indeed, but you weren't present at, for example, meetings with Scottish CMO when the decisions were being taken in Scotland. So my question is, why are you ascribing the idea that it's political instead of the idea that it might simply be, as you've said, a reasonable decision to take? Well, why, because I was, in, I was in a whole range of meetings with uh, First Ministers or uh, other ministers from the devolved administrations, whether it's Welsh or Scottish. And I also could see uh, the grounds or the reasons, whether it was on the papers or as explained by them, for the decisions, and that was the view I took. Because they wanted to know what was going on with the COVID plan. So you're going, you, you clearly haven't communicated with them, and at the same time, you're slagging them off, even though they are clearly a government and a country. I mean, they're in every single sport as a separate nation, bar the Olympics and the British and Irish Lions Tour. That's it. Every other tournament, they're a separate nation. So they're obviously recognised as a separate nation. And yet within the union, they can't leave with their own choosing. And apparently Westminster considers them to be irritating when they go, we need to know what's going on because we've got to run our area. Um, well, well, it was, well, it yeah, it was during the pandemic itself, not even within the inquiry, but it was during the pandemic, if you remember back, Nicola Sturgeon and uh, Mark Drakeford were constantly asking Boris Johnson for meetings to deal with the pandemic. And they were refused on almost every occasion, because, as you said, it was seen as an irritant. But I think it was also another a deeper political problem, because if Wales and Scotland were doing a better job than Westminster, then it showed Westminster to be incompetent. And the Tories were were at each other's throats in a sense, because you had the moderates who wanted to do a lockdown, who realized, OK, we need to lock down, we need to protect the public. But then you had the headbangers who were like, no, 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 we don't need lockdowns, just let it run wild. Um, and then I think there was also another section within that, you know, there was a crazy wing of the Conservative Party, but there was also another wing which wanted to protect their their interests. So they were maybe... Uh, they had property portfolios and they knew that if people are working from home or there's a lockdown, they're going to lose money because, you know, if businesses are not renting property, they're not making money. So there was, a, you know, and you can look at people like Richard Tice as well. They they make a lot of their money through property. And if they realize that mm. well, if people are not um, if people are not going into the office, then we don't need office space. If we don't need office space, then businesses don't need to rent. If they're not renting, well, then if there are fewer businesses renting, the, the value of rent drops because there's more supply. So, you know, these people were banging on about uh, lockdowns. But, of course, they couldn't come out and say, well, we're losing money. <laughs> Get people back into the office. They had to say it as well. This is, you know, it's unscientific. And then it feeds back into the, you know, Van Man's um, niche <laughs> about GB News, you know, and, and Talk TV. If you look at some of their content, especially during the pandemic, they were like, no, 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 the lockdown is wrong. The lockdown is unscientific. And then they'd bring on, quote unquote, experts who would say that um, the lockdowns were not, you know, were not working. But the, in many cases, the lockdowns didn't work because um, they weren't long enough or they weren't brought in early enough. And then the response after is, well, you know, the lockdown damaged the economy. Yeah, well, so the, yes, of course they did. But the 
not having a lockdown would have damaged the economy much worse because you'd end up having people die. Mm, really, yeah. really interesting what you said there, Max, because because basically what, what you're saying is we you have a difference between which government we have. We had a government that when COVID came along thought, oh, shit, we're going to lose a hell of a lot of money and we need to look after the rich. But you had other governments like in New Zealand or, you know, devolved even in Scotland with Nicola Sturgeon, where COVID comes along and the first reaction is, how do we save lives? How do we save people? You know, that's the main difference between what we had. We had a government that wanted to look after and thought, well, if we do lockdowns, then it's going to hit us absolutely massively. Uh, it's the main difference. And that's the strangest thing when you think back to COVID of the government we had. I thought, I'm sure you've all done this. If you could actually go through back in history and pick one government to have to deal with this worldwide crisis of COVID, the government we had, without doubt, would be the last one you pick, wouldn't it? You you would go for any other government throughout the history of time in this country. <laughs> Boris Johnson's government of 2020 <clears throat> could just be the worst that you would pick. And um, it's interesting, you, you, you go on to talking about GB News and their and their opinions. So recently, they've the COVID inquiry has been about, and they're 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 still going on this this rhetoric that lockdowns were a disaster and they shouldn't have happened. A lot of uh, another thing that they do quite a lot of is compare us with with Sweden that didn't lock down. You know, they say, oh, we should have been more like Sweden. We wouldn't be in the problems that we have now. But and this is half the problem with COVID. You can't compare countries. It's absolutely ridiculous to compare us to Sweden. Sweden have got like a population of about eight million, I think. A lot of rural areas that they live in. They've got a functioning national health service, a well-funded, exactly. yeah. well-run national health service. The, the point of the lockdowns in this country uh, was to protect the NHS. Without doubt, the NHS would have absolutely dismantled my wife is a nurse i you know i saw every day what she went through uh working during covid there is no way that the hospitals would have been out of cope if we didn't lock down and like i said comparing different countries is absolutely futile and and, and stupid but this is what your gb news lot are still still trying to bang home that we shouldn't have locked down and it's, it's absolute madness to me it really is i am yeah, it's very difficult to do that. I think there was an interest, you can make specific, I think you could make specific comparisons as opposed to overall comparisons. Because obviously there's like things that don't correlate, the size of the population, the economy, the health service, even the weight and the age of the population. Is everyone fat? Well, if you're fat, you're more likely to die. Is everyone unhealthy? What about sunlight? Sunlight, vitamin D seems to have an effect. You know, if you weren't able to process as much vitamin D, you were more likely to suffer bad consequences from it. Um, I I with with Italy, I thought it was quite interesting because that came up in the COVID inquiry that there was comparisons to be had there. Rich, affluent country, they didn't lock down; they just were letting it run rampant, and their hospitals couldn't cope. <clears throat> One of the big differences is obviously the fact that you have intergenerational families within one household which isn't so much the case in the uk so again it's very difficult to make that comparison i i did hear a harvard researcher who was based in vietnam go actually there's a lot of comparisons with vietnam the uk um and what but there's obviously differences as well the similar population size nowhere near as an obese population but the other big interesting thing that i i've always brought up and so did the professor was the fact that China had a huge tourist influx into uh, Vietnam. So 
there's a good chance that Chinese tourists coming over would spread it throughout the population quite rapidly. The Vietnamese government, and I, I would be an advocate for this, just shut down their borders. Anyone coming in had to go and stay in a government-run hotel for two weeks, and then the virus was cleared. If you look at the economy in Vietnam, it's quite authoritarian to do that, you can argue. Um, I'll link that back into the UK, what was being claimed in the COVID report earlier, um, yeah, yesterday. Um, but you went into the uh, hotel, you were fed, you were, I had to say that for two weeks, given a TV, I think they gave them some books as well, and you were just in the hotel for two weeks. Not great, it's not a great solution, no solution's perfect, but they didn't have the death numbers that anyone else did in Europe. They also allowed the economy to grow because everyone could continue because the virus couldn't get in. It was almost like putting up a wall. Um, whereas here, and it was reported in the COVID report, I saw Piers Morgan rip into Grant Shapps about that with an expert they had from the Aviation Authority ripping into Grant Shapps as well, um, not directly, but at a different episode. And basically, Piers Morgan said to Grant Shapps, you've done nothing. You've literally done nothing to protect the UK. There's no border security. There's nowhere to put any of these people coming in. And Grant Shapps argued the point. But I came through that airport. I came in from Norway just as everything broke. Absolute chaos in Heathrow. Just complete chaos. I even saw, bear in mind we're meant to be in lockdown, a ring of policemen sat by uh, and security all having a natter, no more than a couple of meters apart, if that, whilst crowds of people were sat around the conveyor belt waiting to get luggage. And it was just ramshackle. And I've just come from Norway, where everyone's got masks on, everyone's sat apart, um, everyone's quite calm. And then in the UK, you've come in, and then you go and take a train, where you, if you've got COVID, you've just infected everyone in the airport, or numbers in the airport, you can infect people on the train, then on the bus if you need to take that, then in the streets. And it's just like, this is crazy. But in the report today, they were confirming through WhatsApp messages and memos that the government deliberately kept it open because of the economy. And it comes back to what both you guys have said. They got it into their heads that the economy was the thing to protect. And yet, actually, it's the people because the people make the economy. And they can't get it into their thick skulls. That's how it operates. And that's why I think we're in this... I mean, we can argue there's other reasons for it, but the economic mess in the UK at the moment is because of this ideological batshit, crazy ideology that it's all about money, cash, and business, but it's people that make that up. And they can't, it's almost like, it's almost like dealing with someone with an ideology that the economy and humans are separate. It's, it's just maddening. Um, love to love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, just just one other thing that um, um, both of you raised yeah. there, and um, Vanman talks about the the worst government in po the worst government possible to to be in charge of this. But I, I I think there's something that leads into that is trust. So if you look at some of the states where they had low numbers, um, with the exception of Italy because it sort of started here. But if you look at many of the countries like New Zealand, there's a high level of trust between the citizens and the government. So when the government say, look, you need to wear a mask, people would wear a mask. They said, look, you need to social distance, people would do it. But what you saw with Boris Johnson and the Tories was they had built up over the last number of decades, we could even say decades, but in particular, the last 13 years, this idea that you shouldn't trust the government. The government is out to get you. And you saw it also in the US when it came to Donald Trump, being constantly pushing this narrative that the government is trying to take away your rights. And you had it in in Parliament as well, which was, I found really frustrating because 
When it came to Brexit, Boris Johnson had no whims about removing the whip from Remainer MPs. But when it came to COVID, there were people who were really undermining his message um, and he left them in place. And there, and what what it did was it created this mindset that, well, when Boris Johnson says, of course, Boris Johnson, a compulsive liar. But when it came to Dominic, uh, sorry, Dominic Cummins breaking the rules and not being punished over it, then people obviously thought, well, what's the point in following the rules if the government aren't doing it? And this is before Partygate. This is before we found out about what was happening at number 10. Dominic Cummins breaking the rules and not suffering any consequences. And I said, I remember during the pandemic, if you look at any other country in Europe, whenever a public representative was giving a speech or explaining some sort of new um, uh, rule or guidance, they always wore a mask. Even the right wing parties here in Italy, the far right parties, when they were like some of the representatives in government were were presenting a, a new uh, guidance or whatever, they always wore a mask, even the really crazy ones. But whenever I saw Boris Johnson delivering a speech, uh, you know, the daily update on the pandemic, he never wore a mask. He, he would actually take the mask off to deliver the speech. Um, and I think this undermined public trust as well. People were convinced that, well, you didn't have to, you, the, the mask was optional. Um, and then there was all, obviously within Parliament as well, this idea we need to get rid of the mask, we need to get rid of the lockdown. So the, the, the focus was not about dealing with the pandemic. It was about dealing with the, the consequences of the pandemic. It's, it's really interesting you say that, Max, because there's an element within all of this, uh, twofold. One, you've got this liberal ideology, which they've got, which is don't tell us what to do which also probably comes in from thinking that they're better from everyone else, so they don't need to take orders. I would say that's a general theme. And we, we've seen it over the last few weeks with all of them being interviewed. They seem to want to be above the lawyers. I think the judge even had to correct Gove and go, yeah, he might be biased, but it's me that's making the decision and I'm not biased. So knock it off. Because Gove was going on the attack with the QC, Casey, I think it is now called. Although we could, we can talk about the king and the racism allegations that came out of Piers Morgan in a minute. That was quite interesting. Sorry, I'm sidetracking. But it's this: we're above everything. The party showed that they thought they were above everything; that the laws didn't apply to them. They and they've got this liberal identity, which actually showed just twigged. It slightly shows that they were disconnected from the public. Part of the reason we think that they didn't believe that the public would follow the rules, which is part of the reason why they hesitated. Because they got feedback from groups, but also probably their own mentality. It's interesting because you look at like, and we brought it up a couple of times, World War II, you had the blackout, everyone had to black out the curtains and switch the lights off so that the bombers didn't get in and blow us up. And you almost get the impression that this lot, if they'd been in charge in World War II, would have gone, f*** the rules, I'm putting on a Christmas tree, and I'm having the lights on, and I'll put a big Santa thing around my house so everyone can see it for miles because I want to be Christmas and I like Christmas, so I don't give a shit about the rules. And it seems like COVID was almost identical to that. I couldn't imagine Winston Churchill in a million years, and we, you know, we can talk about the controversies. I can't imagine him in a million years going, let's stick on all the Christmas tree lights across London because it looks pretty and it'll increase morale. You'd have Julie Hartley Brewer saying, it's your right to turn on your lights. (laughs) 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 Oh, God. I I mean, it's it's so true, the points that you you make up. That was the biggest failings of it, the, the trust in government and the... The incompetence of the 
the government early on straight away because uh, when covid first come about i remember thinking like I, I can't stand boris johnson i can't stand this government but when it first come about covid i thought surely this is they're going to do their job that this is big <laughs> you know surely if they're ever going to actually do their job they're going to do it now because people are dying this is huge right so I, for a moment i thought right I, i'm going to put my trust in you boris johnson I, I i think that this will be big enough for you to actually do your job but then the the incompetence just unraveled straight away you talk about masks we, we were like one in one out with every single policy masks didn't get enforced in shops for a long time in 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 england didn't know are we supposed to wear a mask we're we supposed to not and then dominic cummings and then parties and then it just all unravels into this incompetence that we're like well, well yeah we don't trust you we don't trust you at all so you know people are going to flaunt the laws and, and, and not do the right thing and just an absolute shit show from the start but um one thing i want to ask you guys about this in covid inquiry is are they going to get in to michelle moan in the uh, house of lords and, the, and the, the dodgy ppe contacts are they going to get into this because this is what i, I want to know about the corruption are they are they going to dive into this sort of stuff i don't know whether you guys know if they're going to or not i, I don't know but i i hope they will because this was fundamental to both the the response because many business if, I, like i remember during the pandemic there was a company uh, a British company who was making PPE, and they said that they had reached out to the government, they had reached out to the NHS, said, look, we're ready to go, um, we're making PPE for the US, and they had received nothing back from the the, the health minister or the health secretary. So they, they said, look, we want to produce PPE, and somebody else, of course, won the contract, who had, I don't know, never been in the business of PPE in the first place. So I, I, yeah, it's, this, it's this is just, what I yeah. want them to look into. This is more important to me because we know this government are incompetent. For some reason, the country decided to vote this lot in in 2019. Most people that actually have a brain know that these guys are completely incompetent. So it's, it's, it's not uh, it's not strange to me to find out that they're incompetent dealing with this. But I want to know about the corruption. and I want every single penny of that corrupt money coming back. That's what really interest me and these ppe contracts need to be investigated properly as soon as i heard out about this corruption it always brought me back i know you alex like to go back to the first world war and second world war but there was um there was a company in the first world war you probably know about this story that what got the contract to supply boots to the um to the uh, english army and they got, uh, they basically, it's the same thing as PPE contracts. They wanted that contract because it was lucrative, but they didn't have the tools to get them properly. They were shoddy boots. They got cheap materials and uh, they just done it because of the contract. And it always reminds me of that. It always brings me back to that story in the first world. It's exactly the same thing. When a, the, when a pandemic comes along, instead of a government thinking, how do we save lives? How do we help people? We have a government that wants to think, right, what opportunities can we get from this? What what money can we grasp? What contracts can we give out? And it's just, that's what I want this COVID inquiry to dive into. That's what I'm more interested in, the corruption. I've, I've often felt it's a bit like, we all want to play like the, the game of life. And these guys are playing Monopoly helping themselves to all the houses they're running the fucking yeah. banks and they're sticking their hand in the till at any opportunity they can because that's generally what happens when you play monopoly and you're you're the banker <laughs> and they are the banker what were your thoughts on the king being claimed to be the racist are you shocked is anyone shocked 
Is it a conspiracy theory? Because it's being announced in the Netherlands. I, I, I'm, I'm a bit surprised about Charles because Prince mm. Philip was wouldn't be a, wouldn't be a surprise, but no. Charles and I. No. No, I mean, he's generally a bit more open um, culturally, but uh, has I, I he though? I'm not he's sure. had he's had Jimmy Savile, and then they, and his brothers had Epstein. I don't know of any other family that's had that many prolific sex offenders connected to them. I don't know of another family that's done that. And yet, are they open? I think he's tried more to get away from that racing. I'm the same as you, Max. Actually, I'm surprised that the the cake, some of the others wouldn't shock me. Um, but but Charles does I and mean, maybe it's empty headed gestures but I know recently during the poppy appeal he had the black poppy which represents all the um, ethnic minorities that died during the first world war and tries to bring light to those people not just the, the English people so he's done things like that and like I say I don't know whether that's just empty headed gestures to try and pander to that audience or whether he's deep down he has deep down racist feelings but for him yeah it's a surprise uh, what is the evidence Alex then so it's, can you it's, explain it's what, what the evidence just the words is of Meghan Markle and Harry saying they came up to us and said this and then refused to make comment of who said it and then it's been an accidental release into into Holland uh, of the book it's been a a translation error or a miscommunication error and they've now released the names and said it was i'm pretty sure they've definitely they've definitely said king charles there's a bit of ambiguity as to whether or not it's kate as well but it looks like they both came up to them and said oh, are you concerned about the skin color of your child it's like you guys are one of the most powerful rich families in the uk why are you concerned about that how have you got that into your head so that's a problem and you go apple doesn't tend to fall far from tree maybe we can take that with a pinch of salt but prince philip was horrific even piers morgan this is a wacky one even piers morgan has no has noted that megan was going to marry into a royal family that's known for its races and i will never believe it but now we can start the process of finding out if they ever got uttered what the context was and whether there was any racial intent at all. Like I say, I don't believe there was. The royals who are named in this book are King Charles and Catherine, Princess of Wales. She's mixed race, she's American, she's a divorcee, actress. Those are four ticks. No member of the royal family, the senior members, ever thought they would see having to be ticked. Meghan's marrying into a family which has, to put it mildly, a dodgy track record on race. It's not Meghan Markle's problem, it's their problem. Yeah, now he's flipped, and him and GB News seem to want to protect the royal family at all costs. And they're just saying, Meghan's a liar, the guy who authored the book is a liar, therefore none of this is true. Yeah. They're, they're just not normal people, are they? <laughs> I mean, this is this is the problem here. This, this is the problem with the royal family. They're just not normal. You can't be normal if you're born into that environment. I'm sure you guys are the same. I would not want that. Okay, yeah, they don't have to worry about money for the rest of their lives, but I wouldn't want that life. But, but, I mean, but Harry, you, not but being you... able to go and live his life as a teenager and go and party with his friends. You can't do any of that stuff. It's just not normal. So, I mean, that's why I just, well, I'd actually, if we got time, I'd like to hear your opinions on what you'd want from the Royal family in this guy, whether you'd get rid of it completely. My opinion would be massive descaling, just have the King open up the rest of Buckingham palace. All the tourists can go and view. They can have one wing of Buckingham palace. The rest of them have to go and work like everyone else. 
and it's kind of like jury service when it's your time to be king you can go up and and and, and do that. <laughs> that that would be my view that'd be my view but king, then king uh, the day, yeah what what I don't know what your your opinions would be, but it's just it's not normal. It just breeds abnormal people. This royal family. It just needs to go. It needs to well disband. I'd massively descale it myself, but I don't know what your opinions are. Uh, of course, I, I'm not I'm not a huge advocate for the royal family, but uh, I I think a republic is the way to go. But but what yeah. you said there is interesting about having um you know, you know what about having a member of the public king for a year? Yeah. Like, you know, within you have to follow certain rules, of course, you're not allowed to go completely crazy, but it could be it could be actually quite insightful for somebody, you know, somebody who's come from a deprived background to to be able to bring something to the table. Because, you know, the, the royal family, as you said, are completely dysfunctional. And the whole idea that, you know, you're born into something that you can't leave. It's you know, you, you can technically leave, but there are huge con consequences if you do. But yeah, you can't like like my heart goes out to to harry he wants to distance himself from the the royal family um he, he doesn't agree with this sort of thing and i really admired him when he about a year ago i think it was he was delivering a speech at um, a charity event and he asked them to call him harry not his royal highness or the prince prince of wales or whatever it was at the time um not prince of wales whatever he was but he, he just want just call me harry and he's I probably longing that. for that he's really yeah. longing for that he wants that normality he's sick of it <laughs> i would be well it was it was also interesting as well within that book there the claim is that william and harry think that the investigation to their mother's death was a sham that was something else that came out hmm. um so even they I, i'd get rid of it and i'd have a 10-year elected system just go longevity because we need someone looking at this looking at the system longevity at a long distance and the other the governments don't do that that's part of the reason why the pandemic was so bad because they're all short term what we're going to do in four years oh we've got to put some money into ppe oh there's never a pandemic so i don't care let's not do that and we'll put the money elsewhere you know that's that's the reason why we were in such a mess be interesting to see if that comes up in the covid inquiry but yeah i quite like the irish system though you vote someone in and they just seem to have they're just there for a ritual purpose yeah essentially. It's, just, it's just a figurehead yeah doesn't, like but it seems quite a jolly chap. <laughs> Although he has been quite controversial recently um, when it comes to uh, Palestine and Israel. But we've run out of time, so we'll have to say bye bye. bye. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Tune in next week for another exciting story from the files of Police Squad.